All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you got the opportunity to listen to my last one, first off, thanks for for tuning back in after the long delay, after the long gap in between episodes. But I did mention that I was going to try and start doing maybe two episodes per week just to kind of get back into the swing of things with so much happening. I thought maybe I could uh, push it to two episodes per week to then kind of split up what I want to talk about in each episode and dive in a little bit more. So here we go. I'm going to try and do that starting this week, and we're starting here on Tuesday with this episode. Going to dive in more on the NFL, and it's dominating the storylines once again in the offseason, even with March Badness fully underway. We had the first two rounds this past weekend, which we can look back on and see some of the matchups that we have going forward. We won't look at... uh, we won't look back at some of my upset picks that I decided because it turns out none of them panned out. So my bracket is as good or as bad as anybody's as it's going right now. So we'll see when we get to the March Madness point. But we'll start with my number one headline, which is always going to be the NFL, it seems like at this point. I mean, just when you thought the NFL wouldn't lead the storylines, the headlines with the first day of March Madness, it proves once again that it can't be beaten. And, of course, this one hits pretty near and dear to us, as I mean us as in Packers fans. Devontae Adams traded to the Las Vegas Raiders for a 2022 first and second round pick this season. I mean, I remember I list, I heard saw this. This happened on Thursday afternoon. I had um, my cousin visiting from Chicago. So we were down on the Santa Monica Pier, and I was just checking my phone. To, to get a look at something, and all of a sudden I see Devontae Adams traded to the Raiders, and I couldn't believe it, honestly, because the first thing that went through my mind is, what does this mean with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, Aaron Rodgers' deal was already signed. We talked about this on the last episode, and I was thinking, how do you convince Aaron Rodgers to stay and come back with a pretty good sense that Devontae Adams doesn't want to come back, that he's going to leave? I mean, we've seen the reports. Now, of course, this could be spun that Devontae Adams was offered more from the Green Bay Packers. Devontae Adams traded to the Raiders, signed a new five-year, I think, $141 million deal. I don't know how much, I don't remember how much of that was guaranteed, but it's basically the the average is out to about $28.5 million per year, which is the new highest, it's the new mark for a wide receiver, which is what Devontae Adams wanted. Packers were willing to do more. A lot of this deal is backloaded just to make that number average per year inflated. I think it's the first three years, it's about like $23 million per year for Devontae Adams. So obviously wanted to be the number one paid wide receiver, but Green Bay was willing to pay that as well is what it sounds like. But it sounds like the relationship between Devontae Adams and the front office went sour this past season when they didn't make this deal Last offseason, when they were trying to deal with the Aaron Rodgers drama, Devontae Adams now felt put back on the back burner, wanted out of Green Bay, it seems like, and he gets to go play for the team that he always loved. He grew up in, I believe, California, maybe near Oakland, where he said he was a Raiders fan. Now, of course, they're in Las Vegas. But he also gets to play with his college quarterback, Derek Carr, one of his best friends in the league. So it's about the money. It's also about he just wanted out of Green Bay, it sounds like, which in this case, Packers get a first and second round pick. Also don't have to pay that franchise tag of 20 plus million for Devontae Adams. But I just it wouldn't stop going through my head. I'm like, how does the Packers convince Aaron Rodgers what must be their plan? I mean, it's only it only was a week later 
that Devontae Adams was traded. It's not like this is all of a sudden like one day, oh, Devontae Adams isn't going to come back. Guess we got to get rid of him. Sorry, Aaron, this came up out of the blue. I don't think it was like that. I think they had to have let Aaron Rodgers know, hey, there's a chance that Devontae Adams doesn't come back this season. Here's our A plan. He does come back. Here's what we're going to do. Here's our B plan. If we have to trade him, this is what our plan is if he doesn't come back. I think Aaron Rodgers wanted to stay in Green Bay, obviously. we <laughs> He does because he's re-signed with Green Bay for a long term. I think he wanted to end his career with one team throughout his entire, with one franchise throughout his entire career. That played a big part into it. Now the Packers have to put more weapons around Aaron Rodgers. Right now, their top three wide receivers, the only wide receivers, I believe, are Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb on a slash deal, a nice veteran, veteran, excuse me, deal that pays him near the minimum, not the minimum, but and then also Amari Rodgers, a third-round pick last year. Those are the wide receivers right now. No Devontae Adams. It was already kind of a thin wide receiver group outside of Devontae Adams. It was very top-heavy, and we saw that in the divisional game when the Packers really couldn't get anything going on offense with Aaron Rodgers just trying to force-feed Devontae Adams. So this could change the offense without a number one alpha wide receiver, the number one wide receiver in the NFL could change how Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers do business on offense, but you still need to be able to fill out that wide receiver room because I don't know if you can go into the season with Alan Lazard as your number one option. So don't know what the Packers did to convince Aaron Rodgers to stay in Green Bay, even if Devontae Adams was, wasn't going to be there. Had to be a part of the conversation, my thinking. I don't know for sure, but I think it had to be a part of the conversation when Aaron was deciding whether or not to come back, that, hey, Devontae Adams might not be here this year if he doesn't want to play on the franchise tag, if he doesn't want to sign a long-term deal, which is looks like the Packers were trying to do this offseason, is what it sounds like to make him the highest-paid wide receiver. Seems like he just also wanted out of Green Bay to go play for his favorite team growing up, now the Las Vegas Raiders. So Packers get a 2022 first and second round pick. What can they do now? to fill out the rest of that wide receiver room to help Aaron Rodgers in the weapons department. There's three things that they can do. They've got three possible ways to, to fill out this wide receiver room before the season starts. There's possible trade options. There's free agents that are still available. And then there's also in the draft. We'll start with possibility number one, which is trade options to get a new number one wide receiver. There's guys out there that have been brought up. DK Metcalf of the Seahawks and Tyler Lockett of the Seahawks. Seahawks kind of in a rebuilding mode. We talked about the Russell Wilson trade last week. Do they continue that rebuilding with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, see what they can get back in trade compensation there? There's a guy like Brandon Cooks as an option in the Houston Texans. We know they are a rebuilding team. It seems like they're always a rebuilding team. Would they be interested in, in moving Brandon Cooks? Could he be an option that fits in Green Bay? There's other guys out there as well. Brand, or DJ Moore was a guy that was brought up from Carolina. He signed a new contract extension in Carolina. It doesn't look like he'll be going anywhere. There's also other guys elsewhere, maybe some Pittsburgh wide receivers in Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, not so sure how they're feeling there. And there's maybe someone in the New York Jets I've heard of Corey Davis, maybe the Chargers and Keenan Allen after re-signing Mike Williams to a big deal. There's possible trade options like that. 
DK Metcalf seems like the one. That would be the dream scenario for Green Bay. What would they have to give up for DK Metcalf? Would it be a first-round pick? They have two now, the Packers. They have the 22nd overall pick from the Las Vegas Raiders this year. They also have their own 28th overall first-round pick this year. Would the Seahawks, would it cost that to get DK Metcalf? Would it be a second-round pick? When you get a first and a second for Devontae Adams, that kind of sets the bar at the top for what a wide receiver should be traded for because that's the number one wide receiver in football. You're obviously not going to have to give up as much as the Raiders gave up to get up to get Devontae Adams, but it still could be a high price for someone like DK Metcalf. What about Brandon Cooks? He's been traded for multiple first-round picks, but now maybe his value could come down into maybe the third round. Whatever seems to work. The Packers need someone as an outside receiver. They seem to have got that slot receiver down. Randall Cobb mostly works out of the slot. Amari Rodgers is kind of like a Randall Cobb 2.0. Working out of the slot doesn't have the trust with Aaron Rodgers yet, which is why Randall Cobb is still the option above him. Alan Lazard is a guy that also works out of the slot a little bit. He can work outside, but he does um, maybe 50% of his work in the slot. So you need one of those number one outside wide receivers. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf seems to be the dream scenario there. Brandon Cooks is the speedster. Those are some possible options for the Packers that they could do in the trade market. Would Packers fans be okay giving up a late first-round pick for DK Metcalf? That's something that Packers fans have to ask themselves, and it's something the Packers front office has to ask themselves. Because then if you trade for DK Metcalf, I believe he only has one more, maybe two more years left on his rookie deal, and then you have to extend DK Metcalf, and you could be in the same scenario all over again where you're looking for a wide receiver that's looking to get paid as the number one wide receiver. That's how this, that's how these contracts work is the next guy that's up gets to be the number one paid guy. That's what is going on with quarterbacks. That's, go, that's what goes on with offensive linemen. That's what goes on with wide receivers. DK Metcalf could make the argument that he wants to be the next guy that gets paid at top dollar. That's something that the Packers and their front office have to keep in mind if DK Metcalf is the guy that they want to go after. Like I said, there's also guys like Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks. There's a couple guys in Pittsburgh that have been brought up. Keenan Allen has been mentioned with the Chargers and what they have going on over there. They'll have to pay Justin Herbert soon, someone on the Jets in Corey Davis maybe. But those are possible trade options that the Packers could look at. Keep an eye out for some of those names maybe in the next coming weeks, probably before the draft comes up, which is near the end of April. The second option that the Packers could do, there are some free agents still available in the wide receiver market that they could go and sign. Odell Beckham Jr. from the Los Angeles Rams. Julio Jones mentioned him last week. He was released from the Tennessee Titans. Jarvis Landry, he was released from the Browns. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the Packers' own MVS, is a free agent right now. Will Fuller spent time with the Texans, I believe, two years ago. Last year was on the Dolphins, but missed most of those games with an injury. And there's still some more free agent wide receivers as well. Let's take a look at some of these options that I just mentioned. Odell, he's coming off a torn ACL in the Super Bowl, so you know he won't be ready for the start of the season. Can the Packers afford to just bring on an injured guy who might not be able to, who might who might not be available until late October, maybe November, when this ACL injury heals? Could they wait that long? I mean, if Aaron Rodgers has never thrown a pass to him in his first pass is week 12 or later, can the Packers afford that to try it that late to get that chemistry going? Who knows? That's something that you got to consider for Odell. Julio. Julio sounds great on paper, 
but he's missed 10 games, or he only played 10 games last year with the Tennessee Titans. He only played, I believe, maybe eight games the year before with the Atlanta Falcons. His body seems to be breaking down at him, on him as a 32, 33-year-old wide receiver. Still can be very dominant, but the question is, can he stay on the field? Now, if the Packers want to take a chance with Julio Jones, if they can work out a deal where it's incentive-based on how much time he can stay on the field, and he does play a full 16 games, that would be great. That would be a best-case scenario for Julio Jones and Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones connection would be amazing to watch. But it's all about can he stay on the field and can the Packers afford to take that chance. That's something that they have to consider. Jarvis Landry, another one of those slot guys he can work on the outside, but not sure how much of, a, of, of an outside receiver he is when you've got when he works best in the slot. That's something you have to take into consideration. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Will Fuller, kind of those speed deep threats. You can always use speed on your team, just to it, even if it just brings back a safety and it opens up underneath a little bit. So those are some of the options that the Packers have at the free agent level in terms of guys that are still available just to sign, don't have to trade away any draft capital. And now in the draft, like I mentioned, the Packers now have two first-round picks. So this gives them, this opens up all the possibilities. They're in the low 20s, which is right in the window for a lot of these top wide receivers in this year's draft. Some of the big names, first-round wide receivers that could drop to the Packers at 22 or if they wanted, the Packers could trade up in the draft to maybe the, the low teens, mid-teens, and grab one of these wide receivers. This is, of course, just speculation because we cannot forget this fact as well. The Packers had not drafted a wide receiver in the first round since 2002. I believe it was Javon Walker. 2002, it's been 20 years since the Packers have drafted a wide receiver in the first round. So, this is, of course, speculation that these are guys the Packers could end up getting. Maybe they wait in the second round. They also have two second-round picks at 53 and 59 or 58. I think it's 59. They have 53 and 59 in the second round. Do they wait till then for one of these wide receivers if the wide receivers start to drop? But here are some of the top names that are available if the Packers seem to want to go with that first-round route. Maybe wait till the second round. Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Drake London, the big, tall wide receiver out of USC. Traylon Burks, everybody's calling him kind of like a Debo Samuels type wide receiver. You just got to get the ball in his hands. Out of Arkansas, Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. He tore his ACL in the playoffs, I believe, this past season for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So that's something that you got to keep in mind when drafting Jamison Williams. Some team will have to keep that in mind. Sky Moore. A great wide receiver. He's rising in draft. Uh, his his draft stock, I guess you could say, is rising. That's the terminology that they use for this. He's the wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Christian Watkins, Jahan Dotson, Garrett Wilson, another wide receiver out of Ohio State. These are all guys that are possibly available to the Packers with this newfound draft capital that they have with Devontae Adams gone. It's something to keep in mind. There's a lot of a lot of these wide receivers could help. But do the Packers, who haven't spent a first-round pick on a wide receiver since 2002, do they go that route? But those are just all the possible options that the Packers have in front of, in front of them. Possible trade, free agents, and the draft. And by draft, when I say draft, of course they could draft someone in the fourth. But we need 
We're talking about guys that can contribute right now because they need to fill that void of Devontae Adams, who just had, what, 115 receptions, 1,500, 1,600 receiving yards, and another 18 touchdowns. That's a lot of production that you need to replace in Devontae Adams, and you're not going to be able to replace it with one guy. How do the Packers replace that production in a couple guys in the entire wide receiver room, you know? Obviously, they can also lean on the running game more with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. That's another thing that the offense can do, but you still, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, are going to want to be able to move the ball through the air. When I also heard about the Devontae Adams trade, I was just like, this is gut-wrenching in the fact that the Packers are letting go. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams You've been hearing Aaron Rodgers talk about him on the Pat McAfee show all season and just that kind of chemistry that those two have and the kind of respect that Aaron Rodgers has for Devontae Adams and vice versa. And you hear all the beat reporters and Daily Packer reporters media just praising the kind of person that Devontae Adams is. That's also the kind of guy that the Packers had to let go in this this sense, which was sad, but also that Everybody was talking about the kind of path that Devontae Adams is on. This is a Hall of Fame caliber player, the kind of seasons that he's put together since, what, maybe 2016, 2017, the past four years, four or five years. I mean, two straight first-team All-Pro type seasons. He's been considered the number one wide receiver in the NFL for at least two years now. This is, this is a tough loss for the Green Bay Packers, and it's going to be sour in Packers fans' mouth for sure until they're able to replace him with someone, with some ones maybe even as well to kind of replace that production. But you're not going to be able to replace that chemistry. I mean, we've seen Aaron Rodgers have it with certain guys, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, James Jones, Devontae Adams. I think the two that he's had the most obviously with is Jordy Nelson and, and, and Devontae Adams. And I think Devontae Adams is number one. On that list, I mean, Devontae Adams is second in Green Bay's history all time in touchdown receptions, I believe, with around 72, 73, something like that. This was tough for Packers fans, including especially me, too, watching one of our favorites for uh, what was eight years now just be traded uh, very suddenly. I thought I didn't think I didn't see this coming whatsoever in terms of letting this type of caliber player go at 29 years old. I mean, I wish him the best of luck. I like the Raiders. I like Derek Carr a lot, so I'm glad that he's going to a team that I don't have to root against in terms of the players on that squad. I didn't like, obviously, some of their personnel in terms of John Gruden and what happened last year. But I like guys like they've got Derek Carr. Darren Waller is an easy guy to root for, so that should be fun to see Devontae Adams. If he's not in Green Bay, Las Vegas is is an all right spot to root for him. But speaking of Las Vegas, let's quickly talk about how much does this move the needle for the Raiders in the AFC West? I mean, I talked about it just a little bit last week, the star power across the AFC West. Let's let's dive into this one a little bit deeper right now because just look at this, this star power across all four of these teams in this division between the Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders. Start with the Chiefs. The Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes top three quarterback in the NFL between him, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Those are your top three. You can argue who's number one, but they have Patrick Mahomes, who's made it to the AFC Championship game every year he's been the starter in Kansas City. They have Tyreek Hill, a top five wide receiver. They have Travis Kelsey, 
a top two tight end. They just signed Juju Smith-Schuster. That's that's another formidable weapon on that offense. They have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of the background. On the defensive side, they have Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Justin Reed, the safety they signed from Houston. Juan Thornhill, another good safety. They have a really good offensive line. Left tackle, they've got Orlando Brown Jr. They've got a first-team All-Pro center in Creed Humphrey. Just coming off of his rookie year, they've got a great offensive line there. That's just Kansas City. You go to the Chargers, they've got Justin Herbert, a rising star at quarterback. Probably He's easily a top-10 quarterback. A lot of people could argue he's a top-5 quarterback already in the NFL. They have Keenan Allen, a very proven wide receiver, top 10 wide receiver, no question. Mike Williams, who they really like. They obviously just signed him to $20 million. Austin Eckler out of the backfield, catch passes, run the ball, whatever you want. They've got Rashawn Slater at the left tackle spot. That left tackle spot is set for 10 years. They got Corey Lindsley, the former Packer, at center. So their offensive line is growing. It's getting much better. They could draft another great offensive lineman with like pick 18 that they have this year. On the defensive side, they got Joey Bosa paired with Khalil Mack, who they just traded for. Derwin James, a top five safety. They got J.C. Jackson, who has like the most interceptions in the NFL since like 2019. They just signed him away from the Patriots. That's the Chargers. Denver, they just traded for Russell Wilson at quarterback. They have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton at the wide receiver position, Javante Williams at running back. Their offensive line is a pretty decent offensive line as well. On the defensive side, they got Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, Justin Simmons, the all-pro safety, Patrick Sertan, the cornerback that they just drafted in the first round last year. That's Denver's roster. And then in Las Vegas, they got Derek Carr, a very capable quarterback, probably a top 12 quarterback. You could argue top 10. He put up big numbers last year. That's without Devontae Adams. Now you add in Devontae Adams. You have Darren Waller, a top two or three tight end in this league. Hunter Renfro a just reception monster, guy that's a possession receiver. He'll get eight catches a game. Now you pair Adams and Renfro. Oh, my goodness. They have Josh Jacobs out of the backfield, a formidable running back. On the defensive side, they got Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, who they signed away from the Arizona Cardinals, Jonathan Abrams at the safety position, who is ascending. Took him a little bit to get off the ground, but now he is in ascending safety. Rocky Asin, probably their number one corner now, who they just traded for. From the Indianapolis Colts. It's unbelievable the talent in just one division, the AFC West. So how much does it move the needle for the Raiders? I'd literally just naming the stars on these rosters. I don't know. Outside of the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are still the favorite in the AFC West. You could pick any one of those three teams, Chargers, Denver, or Las Vegas, and you could say, yes, this is my five seed in the AFC. I believe the Chiefs could still win this division. It's going to be an incredibly tough division. But I would not I would be shocked actually if three teams from this division didn't make the playoffs. All four possibly could. There's room for all four to make the playoffs. I believe at minimum three of them will be making the playoffs. The Chiefs, I think probably the Chargers. I mean, and then I just I just don't know how you choose between Denver and the Raiders and the Chargers. All three of those are so close. And so by move the needle for the Raiders, what it does is it puts them right on par with the rest of the AFC West. It doesn't put them over the top. I think they probably have the worst quarterback of the four of them. And that's saying nothing because Derek Carr is a great quarterback still. Blows my mind. But this is a move for the Raiders to just stay competitive in that AFC West. 
incredible move, but now you are paying a 30-year-old wide receiver for five years, $141 million. That's a lot of money that you're sending to a man that's 30 years old, and, and we've seen what happens to wide receivers once they get on the other side of 30 years old. So we'll see if it works out for them in the long run. I think it'll work out for them next year, at least. All right, another big deal in uh, the NFL, Deshaun Watson talked about him and, and him being a quarterback domino that will fall soon. He was traded to the Cleveland Browns in a blockbuster deal. This is what Houston got for Deshaun Watson. They got this year's first-round pick, next year's first-round pick, the 2024 first-round pick from Cleveland, along with a third-round pick next year, a fourth-round pick in 2024, and I believe two extra, excuse me, two extra picks were sent to Houston as well. The Cleveland Browns then get Deshaun Watson. Watson also signs a new, a new deal with Cleveland, five years for $230 million, fully guaranteed, never happened for, for, for the, that's just the most ever for an NFL player in NFL history. That's insane. And, and we won't, I'm not going to talk about the football sense, so I'm just going to go over this really quick, but what this shows to me, and it's kind of disappointing, unfortunately, and it brings to the forefront. And I read this from Judy Padista of NFL Network, and I think she kind of put this perfectly. This is this is from her article on what this brought to the forefront, in my opinion, on the Deshaun Watson. This is what she said. The message has been made abundantly clear in recent years. Football teams are not ultimately in the business of being moral pillars for their communities, despite the Women's History Month celebrations and anti-racism slogans. They are in the business of winning games, and that is what it is I'm sorry, and that is what all of us, players, coaches, fans, and media, demand of them every day. That's what she wrote in her article on this Deshaun Watson deal. And that's um, that's kind of disappointing when you think of all that is still going on with him. I mean, what was made of all this from the media is all these teams were pursuing Deshaun Watson. It seems like he had he hasn't even been suspended yet, but... With all this that happened, the 22 sexual assault allegations brought upon him, and it almost seems like he's getting—it's not almost—he is getting rewarded for sitting out last year and now being traded and nothing being handed down because of the talent. I mean, we've seen time and time again in sports, in media, in movies, in music, all that, that second chances happen all the time. Ben Roethlisberger— Jameis Winston, Michael Vick, guys like this. But it's just uh, it's something that's been brought to the forefront with this Deshaun Watson deal. $230 million of it guaranteed. And even when or if he gets suspended this year, the contract has been set up where he only loses, I believe, like a million dollars when he gets suspended. And that's just, I mean, teams were begging him to come to their teams. And the thing that the Browns even said with Baker Mayfield is they said they want an adult at the quarterback position. They don't believe Baker Mayfield is an adult, but then you think what Deshaun Watson, I mean, if you've read the the allegations against him, that's what you decided was the adult that you wanted at the position? Okay, that was your standard. Kind of uh, eye-opening for sure and a little bit disappointing nonetheless. But that's what's happened with the Cleveland Browns. They've traded for Deshaun Watson. And it doesn't mean that Deshaun Watson is on the team that you all of a sudden have to boycott the Browns. You, you can 
separate the two in this sense, but you can be disappointed um, in how it's all kind of played out. Like Browns fans don't have, you, you can't, sh- you're not going to shame Browns fans. Um, you can hope that they're disappointed in their leadership as well, but that's kind of uh, where we are. But that's what Judy Batista, I thought, made a really good point of. They're not in the business of being moral pillars. They're in the business of winning games, and it's what's demanded of our football teams these days, and no matter what the stakes, apparently, which is interesting. But all right, that's what I just wanted to bring up about Deshaun Watson. Nothing in the football sense, just that he's been traded from the Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns for a boatload of picks, gets unlimited guaranteed money. We'll see. What this means then for Baker Mayfield, he has requested a trade before the Sean Watson deal and will likely be moved soon. We'll see if maybe the Seahawks are a place. Maybe he goes to compete with Drew Locke as the starting quarterback. Maybe the Carolina Panthers where he competes against Sam Darnold. Maybe he goes, does a Mitchell Trubisky thing and becomes a backup for a year. I I heard someone say no tape on a player is better than bad tape. We see that with Mitchell Trubisky. He's going to be the starter in Pittsburgh, most likely this year, Marcus Mariota is going to be the start. Well, actually, hold on. I can't tell you about that one yet because that moves us to Matt Ryan. So Baker Mayfield likely on the move next. Matt Ryan traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2022 third-round pick this year. So the Colts get their sixth different QB in seven years. Andrew Luck started in 2016, 2018, and fifth straight year with a new starting quarterback. What this does for me with Indianapolis, I think it puts them as maybe the favorite in the AFC South, but I just showed you all the talent in the AFC West. I'm not sure you can have, if we start saying this team is a Super Bowl contender and this team is a Super Bowl contender, we're going to eventually have 15 Super Bowl contenders. I think what this does is it positions the Colts to now win their division against the Tennessee Titans. It'll be the Colts and the Titans like it has been for the last couple of years. Those are reasonable expectations for the Colts in the loaded AFC. But once you get to the playoffs, then it's anybody's game. It's a one-and-done type scenario. Win your division first, Colts, in the AFC South against the Titans, then you'll have a much better shot in that loaded AFC. Because, like we said, all these quarterbacks moving around, all these different teams, I mean, just look at these quarterbacks in this division. It's just absolutely insane. I mean, we've got Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, now Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Then you've got some of these big time rookies that are still coming. You got Mac Jones in the Patriots. You got Trevor Lawrence. You got Tua Tagovailoa and a new head coach that they like. You've got Zach Wilson in the improving Jets. I mean, those are just quarterbacks in the AFC. That's absolutely insane. It's unbelievable. I mean, look at this, and then uh, now here's the other half of of this is Marcus Mariota now signs with the Atlanta Falcons on a two-year deal to reunite him with Arthur Smith from their time in Tennessee. But we can't have 15 Super Bowl contenders, especially with that loaded AFC. So Colts first win your division. Those are reasonable expectations with an upgrade over Carson Wentz, who we talked about last week, traded to the Washington Commanders. Win Win your division. Then we'll see where, where we get to you in terms of Super Bowl hierarchy, in terms of who are Super Bowl favorites, who are Super Bowl contenders, who are on the edge of being contenders, 
that's that's we're going to have a lot of teams on the edge of being true Super Bowl contenders. All right, last thing then with the NFL, more big deals in recent days. Von Miller signs with the Buffalo Bills on a huge six-year, $120 million deal. Incredible. Wide receiver Allen Robinson to the Rams on a three-year, $45 million deal. In case the Ram- or then after that one, the Rams traded wide receiver Robert Woods to the Tennessee Titans for a sixth-rounder. We talked about Juju. He signs with the Chiefs on a one-year deal. Packers re-signed Rasul Douglas to a three-year deal. Big get for the Packers there. And then Zadarius Smith. This one just happened today. I mentioned him on last week's episode. He does not sign with the Baltimore Ravens. He's actually signing with the Minnesota Vikings on a three-year deal, shorter deal, but he gets more money. So good for him. He stays in the NFC North right there. But that, I mean, the QB carousel in the NFL this year is unbelievable. I, I made fun of it. I made fun of it before the start of the offseason this year in terms of, well, we brag about or we talk up the NFL QB carousel every year. I mean, just look at this. We got Russell Wilson to the Broncos, Carson Wentz to the Commanders, Washington Commanders. We got Matt Ryan to the Colts, Deshaun Watson goes to the Browns, Mitchell Trubisky to the Steelers. You got now Marcus Mariota to the Falcons. We still got two more big names that are likely to be traded this offseason. Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't even been moved yet. We haven't even gotten to the draft on who's going to need a quarterback by the time this is all said and done. I mean, this is an insane quarterback carousel. And then there's the two big names that we thought were done. Aaron Rodgers thought he was going to be moved. He stays in Green Bay. Tom Brady, we thought he retired. He comes back and unretires. Ben Roethlisberger retires. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of movement we've had in this offseason. It's absolutely insane, and I kind of love it in terms of all these quarterbacks changing teams. I mean, there's a stat. The longest tenured quarterbacks on their team, Aaron Rodgers, now been with the Packers for what? Is it 15, 16, 17 years now? 14, 15 years as a starter, 17 years with the team. He's number one now. Number two is Derek Carr for seven seasons. And then after that, I believe it's like Patrick Mahomes for four seasons. It's unbelievable the amount of turnover with quarterbacks this year. All right, moving on quickly to the NCAA, the Sweet 16 is upcoming, and and the first two rounds are over. We've had plenty of upsets. Not going to tell you and not even going to remind you what my upset picks were from last episode. You'll have to go listen to those again because all four of my upset picks that I told you I thought were good, none of them hit, which hurt my bracket quite a bit uh, in terms of I think I had one of them going all the way to the Elite Eight, one of my upset picks, so that was quite the bummer as well. But I just think that's actually kind of the beauty of March Madness because the best matchups for some of these upset picks that you see may just be there to throw you off. I mean, the real Cinderella this year was 15 seed St. Peter's defeating number two seed Kentucky. Kentucky was a popular Final Four pick. Like if you looked at the stats for Final Four teams, Kentucky was probably in over 25, 30% of them. It was crazy. They were probably a popular like champion as well. And then another one, 12 seed Richmond over Iowa, the Big Ten champs in the first round. Number one seed Baylor, they're the defending champs. They lost in the round of 32. Two seed Auburn, they lost in the round of 32 as well. A lot of big upsets. It was an amazing first weekend of March Madness. Here are the four double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16. Michigan at number 11. They have Juwan Howard back now from his suspension in the tournament. They make the Sweet 16. 
Iowa State. They upset Wisconsin in the round of 32. Yeah, I know. That one hurts my having Wisconsin win a bracket as well. Still a fun bracket. Got to pick your team to be a champion whenever they're a top three seed. That's my opinion. Iowa State upsets Wisconsin. They're an 11 seed in the Sweet 16. Miami, I believe they're the ones that upset Auburn. They're in the Sweet 16. And then St. Peter's, the team that I told you beat number two seed Kentucky, they made it all the way to the Sweet 16 as well. There were some amazing games from that first 16. If you watched that Arizona TCU round of 32 game, that was fun. Duke versus Michigan State, Coach K versus Izzo. That's always a good one. The thing with Duke is how far can they go? Because this is Coach K's last ride. Coach Krzyzewski, Mike Krzyzewski. Boy, I hope I didn't butcher that. This is his last ride. He's retiring after this year. We've all seen the the final game in Camden Yard or in Duke Stadium. We'll see how far, if that's just even more, that's pushing Duke on this last ride for Coach K. Can St. Peter's Cinderella run continue? Their next opponent is Purdue, the three seed. We'll see if they can get themselves into the Elite Eight. Is Gonzaga still the front runner? Right now it kind of looks like it. I mean, Drew Timmy... He's not their best player. I mean, they've got potential number one overall pick on their team, Chet Holmgren, on this team. But Drew Timmy is the best player of the tournament so far. He's been just riding hot second halves to keep Gonzaga going. My most intriguing matchup that I'm looking forward to, you got number one seed Arizona versus number five seed Houston. Houston was a Final Four team last year, and this is a very good Arizona team this year. You can't sleep on Houston. That is going to be a really fun Sweet 16 game to whichever team can get to the Elite Eight. Those are two of probably the top four teams left in this tournament. Not two of the top four overall, but two of the top four left in the tournament. Arizona is maybe first or second best team left in this tournament, and they probably were coming into it. And now Houston has been playing really, really well to get to the Sweet 16. I'm excited. I still have Arizona as my champion, like I told you about last week. Still looking like a good pick at this point, but they have a tough matchup against Houston coming up. All right, let's get to my final thought then on today on the final, final podcast, my quick combine recap. So I mentioned it last episode that I got the opportunity to travel to Indianapolis to work the combine this season, which was amazing. My role, my job was a part of the 40-yard dash times and putting those numbers live on television as soon as the sensors give us a time. So no, I had nothing to do with the numbers being a little bit off this year. That has nothing to do with my job. That's the sensors. That's the timers. But I was the one that puts in the unofficial ones that I get from those sensors right away on TV. Those go on TV. And then I'm also in charge once we get the official numbers that we get live on TV as well. So that's kind of my role, which was an insane amount of fun. I also did my own personal 40-yard dash. Without all the sensors and timers on the field, those were all packed up by the time I got down there. Just a friend of mine timing me. Came out a little disappointing on my end. No, not going to sugarcoat that. Came out at 5.65. But I do like to think that with an official timer, it would have been closer to the five-second mark. Not under five seconds like I was bragging about on my social media, but closer to five seconds. I mean, I just had a friend... He's counting down three, two, one, hit and go. Then I start running. I mean, that's already putting me at a disadvantage. But no, but seriously, my honest guess, <laughs> with the circumstances that I was running with, I mean, the jeans, the shoes, with an official timer, with those circumstances, 
I think in an honest opinion, it would have been closer to five one five five two. That's that seems fair. You can I'm not super fast. I'm not gonna argue against that. All my friends laughing right now, do you know? I'm not gonna fight you on that. But five six five seems a little slow for me. I think with an official timer, five one five five two zero, that seems a little closer in my opinion. I'll make sure if I ever get to go to Indianapolis again. I'll do it with the official sensors. We'll get a more accurate reading on this. We'll get this all figured out. Also, (laughs) lastly, my favorite thing about the combine itself then, to get to an actual combine recap, not just the experience of Indy, the actual combine, is when one of these players or a few of these players just have great workouts, great testing days. Jordan Davis, for example, anyone from that Georgia defensive line, amazing days, Christian Watson, or any of these insanely fast wide receivers. It's that when when one of these guys tests incredibly well, it opens the eyes of these teams and these scouts to then take a double look at their tape and a serious consideration when looking at the tape instead of maybe just brushing by them. That's what these testing numbers can do. The numbers themselves don't make a guy just jump up in the draft. It's not like you run a 4-2-4 or you run a 4-2-5 and all of a sudden you're the number one wide receiver. Maybe if you were in the top 10 or you were just outside the top 10, you run a 4-2-5, all of a sudden, hey, we got to go look at this guy's tape again then maybe that helps you jump it up. It allows the athletes to show off, and then when you go back to the tape, the tape shows off what that athleticism can do on the football field. That's my favorite part. It's not just that Jordan Davis at 300 or at yeah at 340 pounds ran under 4.9, which was incredible. It then allows you to go back to the tape and like, oh, this is where that 4.9 speed comes from. This is what that athleticism can do and what we can work with it on the field. That's what I love about the combine is these guys get to show off their athleticism. Now go back to my tape and go, oh, that's what that athleticism can do. That's great. And you and you see that with a lot of these guys now rising in their draft stock, as we said earlier. All right. That's my quick little combine recap. recap. Great time. It was, it was insanely fun. I, I couldn't have enjoyed it anymore, I don't think. All right. And now my final, final thought today on this episode of the podcast, LeBron James became the second all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Just incredible. The longevity of LeBron's career, I don't think will be matched. Just the, he's, he's still playing as a top three player in the NBA. You could argue he's still the best player in the NBA. He will likely, most likely pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leading scorer next season, around the halfway point. I mean, but hey, he's what, less than 1,500 points away from passing him. LeBron will also be in the top 10 in assists and rebounds. The only player, I believe the stat just came out, only player in NBA NBA history to have 37,000 points, over 7,000 rebounds, and 7,000 assists. Only one in all three of those categories. I mean, that's just incredible. But the thing that I want to bring up really quick is the things that people will do and that people are doing now with the LeBron and Michael Jordan debate is saying that longevity is no longer, is not a part of the conversation. It's about the peak of your career. And I've said, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to do the LeBron versus Michael Jordan debate. I don't want to do that debate. But to me, it's just incredible what people will do to try and find anything to knock someone's career. I mean, the sheer amount of ways that we will find to make sure LeBron never ends up as the GOAT in some people's minds is amazing. I'm not saying he is. Like I just said, I won't do that. 
I'm not doing the debate, but I mean just the the reasons that they'll find to make sure he can't be the GOAT. First, it's rings. Michael Jordan is 6-0. and LeBron has four. It's the finals losses for LeBron. He has six losses in the finals. It's that Michael Jordan was a better scorer. Now LeBron James has more career points than him. Now it's about your peak, not how long you've played. Like, so, Since when are we putting up barriers? When are we putting up these guards or these rail like that that says, no, that doesn't count in terms of, of your debate to be the GOAT? It's his lack of killer instinct to end the games. It's passing off the big shots. It's his. It's it's just something new each time when one of these career accomplishments comes up for LeBron. Like every day, you see it on these talk shows. Whether LeBron has fifty points and they lose, or he has fifty points and they win, but their their team is bad, and all of a sudden that's LeBron's fault. It's just unbelievable. Why can't it just never stops with these people? But why can't we just appreciate the greatness? of what we're witnessing without this we just why does it have to be knocked in some way why does it have to be compared why can't it just be oh my goodness this is lebron james this is incredible i mean we're about to witness someone break a 30 year scoring record that may not be reached again for another 30 or 40 years i mean it blows my mind what people what we have to do to knock someone down in terms of a debate i mean he's widely agreed upon as a top three player of all time but I guess when you get to that top three status it's splitting hairs but all of a sudden now there's this is something that is put up and I'm sure in about 10 years when LeBron is gone when it's going to be too late to appreciate what you watched then some of these will start to come down I mean with with Michael Jordan he retired twice and came back twice you know like that's not brought up I mean his career was what maybe 13 15 seasons LeBron's working on season 20 or plus now at this point and still a top three player I mean maybe those will come down eventually but in the moment enjoy it in the moment you're witnessing something like this if I like for me I didn't get to watch Michael Jordan I get to watch LeBron James I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy it all right that's all I have for you on this episode of the final final podcast hoping to do another one this week on either Thursday or Friday can maybe talk more about the NBA as well as the season winds down. A little bit about that NBA, MLB, excuse me, MLB lockout that happened to this offseason as well. Longer lockout than Tom Brady's first retirement. All right, that's all I have. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. You're listening to The Final Final.